The following podcast is recorded and produced by the Podcast Precinct in affiliation with the network at BICBP-radio.com. The Podcast Precinct. Consistency. Creativity. Culture. Everybody, welcome to another episode here at the Kickpod Podcast, the podcast dojo for inspirational martial arts talk. I am your host, TJ Williams, currently a fourth degree black belt in a Chuck Norris system and on my way to be fifth degree um, black belt in a, a month or so. So I'm looking forward to that. I'm here to give you the insight of my martial arts journey, discussing the analyze of martial arts based subjects and highlight individuals that are involved in martial arts past, present and future. All right, so for those who are just joining me for the first time, this is a pre-recorded episode. So whatever I talk about in this episode, it's either coming up or already passed. And which I would like to say that we are almost close to the end of May. And of course, the one holiday is going to end this holiday or end this month is Memorial Day. So that's going to pretty much come quick. But yet um, we're approaching the last full week of May. And of course, um, June is coming up and as a lot of us um, celebrate in June while we got Father's Day. And in my case, um, if for those who are living in um, the Niagara Falls, New York and Ontario um, region, or mostly in the Southern Ontario region, of course, the Niagara Falls Comic Con is returning uh, June 9th to the 11th. So I'm definitely looking forward to that. And yet I got my cosplays all set up. So I'm looking forward to that. Meet celebrities. Uh, definitely just be a kid again so that'd be my guilty pleasure all right so at least have fun with that uh so anyway so i got a guest with me today um of course he's also uh uh somebody from canada so yes of course he has um 24 years of martial arts experience holds a fourth then in um legacy um Shorin, Shorin, you karate. Well, you'll you'll pronounce that later. But um, <laughs> I'm not very good with martial arts names. So, and of course, he competed in multiple tournaments. Holds a PhD in civil uh, engineering and manages all technical aspects of the punch kick choke chat podcast. And for those who missed out on my episode, it is available on YouTube. So you'll be able to listen to my um, story into my martial arts journey. So I'd like to, everybody to meet um, Robert, uh, Robert Chumsky. Is, um, definitely, he's uh, agreed to be on the show. And yet, his, this is his first um, podcast. So let's welcome him. How are we doing, Robert? Excellent. Thanks, TJ. Thanks so much for having me on. And yeah, it is my first podcast. It's fun to be on this side of the uh, the interviewee chair. <laughs> yeah, so I guess you're used to um, actually doing like the um, pot, the technical pot, uh, things of a podcast, but you actually haven't hosted or actually been on a podcast. That's right. Yeah, yeah. We've had now 100 episodes on Punch Kick Choke Chat, but I tend to be behind the scenes, video turned off, managing things that way. So yeah, on the opposite side of the chair this time. Man, they're so lucky. I mean, I got to do everything myself, but, you know, definitely <laughs> it's, like, nice that they have somebody in the background to do, like, the technical stuff, and then they, all they do is just chat. That's right, yeah. And it, it's a good team. Everyone's got their their thing that they bring to the table, so. 
Yeah, I mean, that was like a fun episode having like that. That was like having all five of them just interview me. It's just getting to know all five of them. And, you know, I got two of them on my show. And it's just like I want to at least get all of them and just make sure this podcast is just inspiring everybody to either get in the martial arts or get better with their life. Yeah, that's right. That's the goal, right? Uh, everyone and inspire people. Uh, yeah. Oh, and just on a side note, uh, he is not related to the actress um, Anna Chumsky. So I was um, informed before the show. So, of course, people are familiar with her with um, the movie My Girl with um, Macaulay Culkin. So, yeah. So just just a heads up. So don't make mistake um, as a relative of her. Right. <laughs> as far as I know, that is I, I still have to look into that, I think. Yeah, I could I could probably get away with people telling uh telling people we were related. <laughs> yeah, I could probably get away for telling people I'm related to Billy D. Williams. <laughs> yeah, or, or even Robin Williams. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, so Robert, you're going to take us back in time with um your uh history. So of course, I know everything right now is uh with you is happening with martial arts. Of course, you're currently a fourth degree, and of course, I'm guessing you're working for your next rank is in uh fifth degree, correct? Yeah, working towards it. Uh, it's still far away, as far as I know. Um, there's no sort of set date or anything like that, and I do my best not to think about next rank and just you know put my head down and keep working on what I'm doing. And the belts come, so always working towards it, but not with that in mind. Yeah, I mean that's the same thing with me. Just taking it day by day. I mean, making the days counts. I mean, I'm like so anxious to get that black jacket, but you know, I have to worry about everything else before actually making it to that point. To uh, actually do my performance and get that black jacket put on me. So I'm pretty much just keeping it, taking it day by day. Yeah, I think that, that 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 is the only way to make real progress, right? Is just take it day by day, focus on the art, get yourself better, and then things come. If you uh, if you chase belts, then you wash out. Uh, yeah, definitely. You know, something I pass to my students as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right, so you're going to take us back in a time machine right now, and I'm guessing from the experience, the amount of years of experience that you have, you pre- we pretty much are in the same like same experience online because you know i have 26 years of experience and yet of course you're probably like at least one or two years behind me yeah because yeah i started probably like late 1996 and i'm guessing you started like um probably two years after that yeah yeah that's right so i going back i uh would have started around 1998 i was five years old just before my sixth birthday and uh, I worked out, or uh, my, sorry, I should say my parents worked out at a gym in Kitchener and happened to be the same gym that Sensei Randy Dauphin had recently uh, planned to open a school at. And so they heard about uh, some sort of karate school opening at that gym. And uh, as far as I know, thought that would be sort of a good place to take me as a, you know, somewhere they can dump me while they go and do their workout. So we went to the the demo that was put on. Um, of course, I didn't know them at the time, but both Sensei Randy Dauphin and now Hachigara Legacy were there for, as part of that demonstration. Um, so I was at that demonstration as well, signed up that night, uh, or rather my parents signed me up and then had my first class the next week. And uh, yeah, and have basically been there ever since. Oh, funny thing, when you talk about that story, the, actually the Christ school that I joined also had a gym, my, a gym inside it as well. So of course, that's kind of like almost like a similar story to mine. But, you know, I i mean, I never got to use the machines beforehand, but, you know, <laughs> I got to actually take the cry class. 
And um, of course, uh, that was just like the best experience. Right. So it's always funny on just the those chance things, right? Just happen to be there. You, you you know happen to be in the right place your parents brought you to the right place and things just work out that way um and yeah funny story about my very first class so after the uh the demo and signed up and then came to my first class of course i'm you know five years old about a month before my sixth birthday i'm just you know terrified because everyone's seems really tall of course now taller than a lot of them but at the time i was a tiny kid for a five-year-old and everyone seemed giant i was really you know honestly just kind of afraid of being in that room and I remember Sensei Dofan leaning over me and putting his hand on my back and saying, so you want to do some karate? And I fully intended to just shake my head and say no. And something made me say, okay, yeah. <laughs> and he just kind of ushered me in. And in my mind, that's kind of the, uh, you know, um, the tunnel start into karate and never looked back since then. Uh, for me, that, I mean, it was not a, a scary ex- experience because, you know, I was so into martial arts as a kid. I mean, watching movies, TV shows, cartoons, you know, I wanted to get into this. And yet that one day that I actually got to do my first class, you know, it was an excitement. And yet I didn't get my first gi yet. I mean, I spent pretty much a couple classes, uh, short sleeve shirt and um, sweatpants and probably the um, a cold. But yeah, not the worst cold, but it was like. I was wasn't even worried about the code. I was worried about doing this class. So, and of course, just thinking of my first teacher, my first instructor, who still does it. You know, I kind of feel bad that I'm ahead of him. Thinking of my fifth degree, and he's still first degree. Mm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I remember you talked about that when we uh, connected around punch kick choke chat. Yeah, yeah. Just the, the way it goes sometimes, eh? Yeah, I mean, of course, he has kids to worry about. So, of course, me, I don't have no kids. Uh, I mean, I got two nieces, so, I mean, that's more like I have kids anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I got to worry about my oldest niece turning 16. I mean, next you know, I got to buy a teacher to drive. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's right. Take her behind the wheel and make sure she knows what she's doing on the road. Yeah, I'll take her in a parking lot and make it safe. Empty parking lot somewhere. (laughs) That's That's the way to start. That's how I started, too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. So we kind of get into your like your first class. Um, you're a five year old, like months away from me, six year six year old, and of course, uh, of course, you like trepidations trying to get in there. But can you like remember like what you went over in that class that pretty much excited you to say, "I want to continue doing this." Yeah, it's it's funny. I I thought about that a fair bit, and I don't remember much from that class. Um, I know in the first month or so, I was you know. I don't think I was a very tough kid. I think a lot of the things that I've learned since in karate about grit and being tough and having that mental fortitude, I learned from karate. I don't know that it was necessarily in my nature, if that makes sense. Um, you know, I was, uh, and I, some of this Sensei Dofan has told me about afterwards, but, you know, I was complaining about cold feet and that kind of stuff. And, um, you know, so I was just th- that, that kind of kid in the class. But um, one thing Sensei has told me is that, uh, I was I was always a quick learner, so he would show something and I would immediately have it. So he he said he got frustrated with me a lot of times because he would you know show Miyashido or something like that, and I would do it almost immediately. And he would get frustrated because other people in the class it would take them so long to do. And here's this little five year old kid who you know is too small to be much of a threat in terms of fighting or anything like that, but he can pick up the, the moves and the kata super quick. <laughs> so I was always a good student in that sense. Yeah, so definitely what my, um, of course, my current uh, sensei or my current instructor would tell you, like, kids, like, mostly boys would be more visual in what they see. And then, of course, they pick up on that, but mostly for girls, that's different. 
you know, it's probably tough for girls to learn than the boys, but not that that's kind of separate the whole thing. I want to be equal balance. You know, I just, of course, I got this one student, this one um, girl in my class that really picks up everything well. Of course, she's very athletic. So I guess that's the thing with martial arts nowadays. It's like you got to have it almost as a kind of an indemnity to other things like other sports. So, of course, if you're making sure they're conditioned in martial arts, then, you know, they'll be conditioned in sports. And yet that will make them more powerful in martial arts as well as sports. So it's, it's a two-way street. That's right. Yeah. If everyone brings something into the dojo and, you know, if they're even if they're starting as a young kid, they don't necessarily have that foundation you get to set a good foundation and then that gives them something to work on. Even if they don't stay in martial arts, they'll, that'll make them better in whatever other sport they pick up. percent. Okay. So, um, yeah, a, a funny, funny story I have for you. And, uh, since the likes to tell this one, but he, when I started, there was actually an age limit of seven years old. You have to be at least seven years old to start in the dojo. And, uh, you know, my dad with this foreign accent, told uh told randy sensei dofen he told him oh no my son is six he's turning seven like he's almost a month away like can we let this slide basically and he said okay no problem uh that's fine he seems to be picking it up so no problem we, we can let it slide this time and month in after uh, i started i tell sensei dofen hey it's my birthday today he says oh that's awesome so you're turning seven right i said no i just turned six <laughs> so he came back and had a chat with my dad at that point i'd already been in the dojo a month and a half or so so it seemed to be going okay, so I managed to not get kicked out. But uh, yeah, funny story. Again, you know, he says, "Imagine if I had kicked out Robert. If I had said, oh, 'Oh, you're not, you're, you're six, not seven. Get it? You know, get out of the dojo.' History would have been different." <laughs> yeah, so definitely, it was like that um, humble moment for you. So, yeah, you're so definitely the age when it was seven, seven years old, and of course, yeah, you found out that that um your that kind of um tweaked it a little bit and then just to get you in there but you know yeah, yeah. And I, I maintain my innocence i didn't know anything about this till two years after i wasn't that devious as a kid that was my parents scheme but <laughs> but I'm, I'm i'm happy they did what they did yeah so i know what my um school we have like a panda program so usually four to five-year-olds can um uh do their cl- do this class until they are reached up six years old so that's how we start our um our um, classes, like, you know, if you're six years old, you can start a regular class, but with these pandas, it's just, just getting them to see how well they can listen, how coachable they are, you know, with four and five year olds, it's like, it's a tough deal, but mm-hmm. mostly you're going to get those one, um, four or five year olds that really pick up everything that, of course, like you did, it's like, you're, you could see things and you could do it without any hesitation. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, you always get a few kids that just somehow have laser focus, even at four or five years old, and it's it's rare. But yeah, those are good students to hold on to. And even for the other kids, even if it just gets them moving and they start to slowly build up some of that dojo etiquette and the discipline and start to get used to listening to people and, and being told sort of what to do in the dojo in that context, um, good skill set anyway. Yeah, we, we had a, a kids program before COVID. It got shut down around then. But um, yeah, this is making me, uh, reminding me that we should restart that because it's just a good pathway for many kids to get into the dojo. And the one thing we always want to get them early, because, you know, with some parents, not to say that they're bad parents, but, you know, you know, either they spoil them rotten that they don't, they have no discipline or they put so much discipline on them that, um, you know, you know, they end up becoming bullies and that's something that we try to avoid. And that's, that's just one thing that I try to watch out for with these um, kids. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, that's right. Nobody likes a bully. You got to get, you got to take care of that when you see it in the dojo right away. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. All right. Did you have any favorite memories um, during your training? Yeah, I, I was thinking about this too. I, I have so many memories. Um, yeah, I, like I said, I, I didn't really know who I was when I came into the dojo. And so a lot of things kind of started to click in for me afterwards, I would say. Um, I started with a group of uh, five other, uh, sorry, four other people when I started. And um, they were all people that I looked up to. They were all, of course, a bit older than me, but, um, you know, one person was just a few years older. And so I looked up to her a fair bit and a few other people that were there were, you know, some of them were adults, but they were their kids. And I looked up to them, like, here's my karate parent. Here's my karate older brother, or older sister. So I kind of had that relationship with a lot of students in the dojo growing up. And uh, there was one evening after a, a house party of karate people. So it was a social gathering and we went out close to midnight at the, uh, just the, uh, onto the street. And we just did Pasai show by, by the moonlight. And it was just kind of a cool moment of here's, here's the mix of karate and social. And it was just a really, uh, really cool moment. Yeah. Bob, it's always actually, it's great to actually do activities with your karate family. You know, of course, with, uh, with my cry family, you know, sometimes we like uh, like go out to eat, and of course we have these events, and yet uh, we go to certain uh, other places. Like for one thing, I like I probably mentioned this in my uh, interview at um, during the podcast, saying that um, I go to a yearly convention in Las Vegas, and yet um, of course I'm a month away from going to there. And, you know, it's almost interaction not only with my karate family, but with um, other schools. Yes. So it's always great to meet people from around the, the country as well as even other countries. So it's like I pretty much know people from Norway or Mexico or even like countries like Uzbekistan. Uh, uh, so, yeah, mm-hmm. so it's always great to actually at least know people there from different countries and at least get to know their culture as well as know why they're into martial arts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm probably jumping ahead in your questions a little bit, but we can move around. Hopefully that's okay. We, uh, it, during COVID, uh, we, we did something called world martial arts live and it was basically a 24 hour training event, continuous training, uh, 96 countries from around the earth. Uh, it was 96 instructors and in many countries from around the world were participating in this. And, uh, it's just the sort of a hallmark moment and at least for me um so speaking of good memories that was kind of a, a big achievement of course i was there doing a lot of the technical stuff in the background and connecting all these people and making sure that everybody could get in and things ran smoothly and it, it went off more or less without a hitch uh which is really really amazing but yeah it just it's it's amazing the the network that's out there and you realize that you see people training online in uh you know in russia and uh people in australia and people in in the uk and all over the world all training together at the same time and you realize yeah this is this is a big family and even if you haven't met the people you know that they're of the similar mindset they have similar values they just you know they care about their martial art they want to get better they want to train with people and it's just a beautiful thing yeah it's amazing like i like actually like look at instagram and facebook and i see all the um people from like different countries like like this one woman that um i kind of reached out to in england i mean she's very um highly um I can say proficient in um, kata. So I actually watch her do her katas or actually do certain sequential training to her kata. And that's like, and I actually would look at her katas. It's like the katas that, that she does is similar to what I was learning. And, you know, it's just, that's something that I kind of gear myself to. It's like, 
if you don't learn traditional katas, you know, that's not going to prepare you for everything else. You know, I tell these my students that if you're going to get better in sparring, you know, you have to be good in traditional sparring or traditional uh, martial arts. So that's pretty much how things are when you're training. You learn about the history of martial arts, then you learn about today's martial arts. And as I feel like that's something that is lacking. It's like we kind of go into learn how to fight because, you know, things are changing because, you know, with the rise of technology, you know, people are filming the fights and, you know, if they see how you fight online, they know they're going to know how to beat you. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe. <laughs> yeah, seeing stuff online isn't everything, but yeah, it's, uh, yeah, I mean, it's certainly things are a lot more open than they, they used to be. And, and I mean, it's, it's got its ups and downs, but overall, I think it's a good thing. People are, you know, putting their stuff out there. Um, people are cross-training, people are training with other people and it doesn't mean you necessarily have to, uh, hold everything to the same value or incorporate absolutely everything into your own martial art because you still have to stay, you know, listen to your, to your sensei and stay strong in your own art before you, you know, dilute yourself too much. But um, it is fun to bring different pieces back. And and if you're at a high enough level, be able to incorporate it into your own martial art. Yeah. But the one thing is you want to make sure you're kind of in like an in, in-person dojo before you kind of do that. No, that's been the mistake. People think they can learn online, but yet they haven't actually been to an in-person dojo to actually experience that. You know, definitely for me, I want to make sure I'm trained in in, in um in-person dojo in which luckily for the past 26 years, you know, I've been doing that and, you know, and that other, and then going to other seminars, like I was, I think I mentioned that in um, the podcast, I went to this um, martial arts festival, you know, eight mm -hmm. instructors started teaching like 30 second or 30 minute um, sample of their martial arts. And, you know, I'm just really observing, just having an empty cup and taking like all these eight drinks and like getting a, a certain sip of it you know some of it is some some of it's all right some of it's too sweet some things too sour but you know at least i get a little taste of it and i can pretty much use that to get better with my martial arts and yes mm -hmm. with all those eight drinks you know you could mix it up into like your own drink and you know just think about like all the fruit drinks i make in the morning like put put a piece of banana in there from uh so blueberries and uh the water maybe a little of uh, pomegranate juice and maybe some apple cider vinegar which hmm, i mean i'm trying to get used <laughs> to the taste of that but you know it's that's pretty much could help my health <laughs> yeah yeah that's right <laughs> yeah but i mean you can you can do that um you know you can go train with different people and get a sampling of eight different martial arts and or martial artists and their their style and take it back and do something with it but you can do that because you've been training for 26 years. I think you said, you know, you can't, you can't go in a dojo and train for three years and think, okay, I'm Bruce Lee. And now I can take all these different pieces and actually make sense to them. Right. You have to get to a certain level before you can even think about, I'm going to grab this off the shelf and try to see what I can, if I can break it apart and do something with it into my own art. Yeah. The thing about martial art is, you know, you have to be trained every day because, you know, you not to say that you're going to use it one day, you know, you're trying to avoid to use it. But in this case, if you know, if you're in a situation where you have to use it, you probably know how to really react to like what's going to happen. You know, one thing we always uh, suggest to our students, you know, when you're encountering with somebody with a knife or gun, you know, give them what they well, give them what they want. It's you no, know, you only got one life. So that the things that you own can be easily replaced, but you're you, you only got one life. You can't be replaced. Yeah, that's right. 
we say in our dojo a lot that if if you have something like that and you get home safe, then your martial arts served you well. Whatever, whatever you have to do, if you get home, then it served you well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Even even if that means just being smart and calm enough to say, okay, this person has a knife. The hundred bucks in my wallet is not worth my life. Here you go. Have a nice day. Leave me alone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you get home safe and you're calm to that situation, then your training did what it needed to do, right? Yeah. All right. Let's kind of get it to you like your first black belt test. So if you can have a memory of that, and I know with all the um of guests that I had on the show and asked like what their first black belt test was. And I know with black belt testing, it's it's a lot of endurance. So I'm guessing your first black belt test was the pretty much the same deal. It would have been similar, yeah. So I was uh so I was 14 years old, which was uh, a bit of a um not the first person to do it in our system, but but one of the earlier ones I would say to do it in our system. Normally you have to be 16 years of age to get your black belt and to go through the testing. Um, and only in some sort of exceptional circumstances uh, do people younger than that go through. So again, I know we've had a number of people in our system do that now, but I think I was maybe number four or five uh, at the time. So I was definitely on the younger side. Um, for our black belt test, we did all uh, 16 of our katas. Um, there was myself and two other people that were grading on that day. Um, one of them was uh, a pregnant lady. And so she didn't do the fighting portion, but she did her katas. And then myself and the other guy basically proceeded to do the katas, practice some, uh, you know, demonstrate some self-defenses, answer some history, philosophy, application questions. Uh, you know, things like when you do a sidekick and you have your fist, your back fist there, what is that doing? And talking about some of that application. Um, yeah, it's funny when you go through that testing and people could ask you, what did you have for breakfast this morning? And your mind is already just between the, the stress and the anxiety and the fatigue, your your mind is already gone. So it's not an easy feat to uh, do your katas at a high level um, at your black belt test, deal with the anxiety, answer history, bring yourself back down to that to that level, right? Um, anyway, so we did we we do our 16 katas, we answer a number of questions, and then we do fighting. And typically it's brown and black belts. Uh, no, no one below the, the rank of brown belt is allowed to be there um, for their own sake. And you basically fight everyone in the room that is there and that is willing to fight with you. Um, so for my test, I fought uh, 14 people. Um, yeah. So in including the other person that was uh, grading with me or, or recommending with me, I should say. Oh, boy. I mean, it's, it's kind of like well, going backwards with my... Uh test because for before every test that we have to do like we have four black belt tests like for every test that we have to do we have to do like an essay so pretty much that's like a minus of like telling like the like if they ask us questions on this um black belt test and we have to pretty much physically tell them or like verbally tell them like the answer the questions but in this case we have essays so that's just pretty much um kind of like a relief of um doing that but yet we focus on the endurance part of the test and usually from what i've heard like before my time yeah we would probably do like all the katas that on our black belt test but in this case we kind of minimize doing like certain um ones they pick for to do a test and yet um in this case for my fourth degree i know i had to do like a made-up kata and after i do the made-up kata i had to explain it which i didn't because they didn't ask me like how to, to explain the kata. I mean, in this case, they just had me do a kata that wasn't even required for the test. And, you know, I did it wrong, but I did it. Uh, <laughs> so, but no, ne nevertheless, I know it was mainly endurance, you know, 
you were like probably wiped out, but they were trying to see if you can um, go past that um, limit to, mm-hmm. to really earn that bike belt. Yeah, I mean, I, I've had the privilege uh, since then, of course, to attend a, a many other uh, black belt recommendations and sort of be, you know, let's say more in the inner circle of hearing some of the conversations afterwards and the analysis and saying, here's what this person did well, here's what, you know, all that kind of stuff. And so you kind of get to understand what they're looking for. And my understanding is that it's not about how good a fighter you are, because by that point, you expect that everyone's a good fighter. Um, so it's more about the mental game of can you get pushed to that point where you don't think you can go any further and then still stand on the line and still be ready to fight and still get back in there. And often uh, Hachi Legacy, who, who oversees those recommendations, um, he'll basically not end the fight of whoever they're fighting in, in that particular instance until they get at least one good shot in. You don't get to step out until you at least do one one good technique, punch or kick, whatever it is that could end the fight if you were in that kind of situation. So you have to basically prove that you're able to keep fighting past the point where you you maybe didn't think you could before you came that day, if that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. No, yeah. definitely. I when I whenever you think about like you hear the conversations, you know, I'm definitely on the other side of uh, being on the testing board, and yeah, you know, uh, just watching these um young kids um move up in ranks you know it just makes me want to actually go and test and actually show these um kids like this is what you're gonna this is what you expect to do and, you know i definitely i see within like 15 minutes of the test it's like they're huffing and puffing and it's like we try to teach these kids you gotta make sure you're conditioned and mm-hmm. you know well not only mentally and physically just but nutritiously it's like don't eat the wrong um foods before you do this test you know you get yourself wiped out yeah, you got to be completely ready, right? <laughs> yeah. Mind, body, and spirit. You can't have a, a crappy uh, diet and dinner the day before and expect that it's going to go fine. Um, one uh, one big memory that sticks out for me in my own uh, show and recommendation is uh, someone in our dojo named Sensei Scott Barron, who's who's now a ninth dan in our dojo. Um, I think you know maybe halfway through the fights, we're getting close to the end. Uh, Sensei, like as he says, anybody else want to fight this guy? And he was one of the corner guys, uh, basically refereeing, or not refereeing, but, you know, basically just watching the fight, making sure it was going okay. And he just bows and steps in front of me. No no mouthpiece, no hand, foot gear, just <laughs> stepped in front of me. And I just about shit my pants. I was I was worried. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You, know, it's, you know how good a fighter this person is. And then they, you know, step in front of you with, with nothing and just... Yeah, it, it was a moment that sticks in my memory. I, I don't, the rest of the fights are honestly a little bit of a blur just because of the exhaustion and everything, but that moment is enshrined. <laughs> yeah, it's like you're fighting like one one person at a time and then you like, you got like a two minute round. But in this case, uh, you end up having to fight two on one and that's like <laughs> definitely a challenge. But yeah, yeah. It, sorry, it wasn't two on one. I just mean that it was, he was one of the black belts on the edge, and, and he was the next one to fight me, which I wasn't expecting in that moment. So it was a a big deal. Well, yeah. In my case, I had to do that. I had to do like a two on one, and then yet, yeah, uh, you know, I had to like think smart. You know, going against two people, like one thing you don't want to get caught in the middle. Yeah, you want to make sure that you're like um, I kind of call it like the star constellation. Like somebody's in front of you, and the person behind you. You take the mm-hmm. person in front kind of knock them in the person in the back then yeah that's exactly it keep moving around don't let them uh don't let them surround you right keep them keep the two of them in one line or, or if there's more of them keep them all in front of you in the line yeah definitely yeah. Uh, all right uh let's kind of go to like your current status and uh, of course you're here you are a fourth degree and um and of course you understand that you are uh 
you're into engineering. So, um, so what engineering do you are doing? Yeah, I'm, uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm currently doing my PhD. I should correct. I don't have a PhD yet, but I'm working on my PhD degree, uh, technically in civil engineering. Um, I'm, my actual specialization is in hydrology. So sort of large scale movement of water on, on landscapes, natural hydrology. Oh, water. <laughs> yeah, see. yeah. So you kind of purify water or you're just like um, just kind of get like a correct flow of water. Getting the yeah, getting the correct flow would be the best way to put it in in uh, layman's terms. I'll say when when rain falls on the ground, you basically run these models and I work on the modeling side. So I, I basically develop computer models that predict when the rain comes, uh, you use basically rainfall temperature, some other information to predict when that storm happens or that rain comes how much water is going to be flowing through the different rivers at a given time. So, and and that's used for flood forecasting and managing reservoirs and, and things like that. Yeah. I can think about a couple of years ago that we were uh, suffering for like a flood. I mean, by that time I was in Las Vegas that, that when it happened. So, I mean, I, I um, definitely lost the pleasure of getting a bath um, outside. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't have to worry about wasting my money in a border bill. But uh, yeah, in that case, we we were flooded and, you know, all the streets were flooded. You know, here I am in Las Vegas where it's hot and then everybody's getting a bath outside. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's it's always ironic when you get those flash floods in desert areas where they get basically no water most of the year. And then it all seems to come in, in one event. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, who would you say you look up to in, this, in your journey? Yeah, I mean... Uh, in our podcast, we always had the question of, of who's the most influential martial artist in your life, and I kind of take that in a similar vein. So for me, it's an easy answer, which is Sensei Randy Dauphin. He's the instructor I've had since, you know, lying or my parents since my parents lied about my age when I was five, and have been with him since. So he's of course someone to look up to. But um, beyond that kind of obvious looking up to your sensei, um, there were a number of people, like I said, that I sort of felt like I grew up with in the dojo. So. Um, some some names like Megan Weirda and uh, Adam Langer and a few other people that I, you know, were, were kind of like my big brothers and sisters. Uh, someone who still trains in the dojo since Ron Watson. He's also a fourth dan in our club. He was uh, the dad of some other uh, people that were in the dojo that were all around my age. And so he was kind of like my, you know, <laughs> let's say third karate dad. He was kind of the, the guy that would take me down when I was too young to drive on Saturday mornings and take me to the classes and Kind of look out for me in that way and so those are those are some of the people i, I would say i look up to in the dojo yeah we always got that one um sensei that's like a cry pops that's why i called yeah i of course i got my uh cry pops you know we always like uh he always looks after me and yet uh i can't forget about that one drive we did towards my fourth three tests we missed two exits but <laughs> luckily i mean we was like driving from midnight to seven o'clock to boston so yeah, it's um oh, man. of course uh I mean going there was um all right, but going back, I mean I mean I know there was traffic going towards uh uh um Boston because there was an accident, so luckily we didn't get um caught up in that. Yeah, I mean uh drive you you make a drive that long in one go. I am not I'm not uh maybe it's not too surprising if uh, a couple exits get missed because it's it's a long journey. You get tired. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, lucky it's not Toronto because, you know, streets are so narrow. It's easy pickings for an accident. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Yeah, you have to have your wits about you. Head on the swivel in traffic like that. Yeah, yeah. that's why I make sure I go early. So I make sure I go early to go where I need to be. That's smart, yeah. yeah. Go the night before if you can. <laughs> yeah, get a hotel. 
Yeah, yeah, much easier. Uh, all right, before we kind of get to our hidden dojo segment, here's the last question. Uh, what inspirational quote best describes your journey? Yeah, I, uh, one that we have in our dojo frequently is a journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step. And that's one that I, I like a lot. Um, if the, my favorite sort of interpretation of it is that you don't need to have everything figured out in your journey. You just have to take a step in the right direction. And if you do that every day, you take that thousand mile journey to get where you need to go. Um, but every every step in that journey is just one step at a time. So you don't have to do 10 steps or 100 steps at a time. You just have to step in a good direction. And as long as you keep doing that, then you get get to where your destination is, right? Yeah, you pretty much got almost like you take that one step, you kind of have a stop for a minute and then, you know, just do what you have to do before you move on. And then, yeah, it's like each step should have like uh, kind of like a a journey. Like, I don't know how the best to say it. Like, you know, mostly I say sequential training. You know, I just have my students just just, just stand there in like a like a set ready position or sort of like a stationary position. And, you know, they do their punches, their kicks. And then, of course, they kind of add, we kind of add the footwork. So, yeah, you got the moves down. So let's add the footwork to those moves. And then, of course, from there, we'll get you moving. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's how it starts in the, in the physical journey. But, uh, yeah, it's just, you know, wherever you are in your journey, just, just one step at a time. If you need to look, if you know punches, you need to learn how to do your next kick. That's what you have to do. And you don't need to focus on you know, doing entire katas at that point, just learn how to do a sidekick and then learn how to do a back kick and just one thing at a time. And if you only know PND down, you you just know your first kata, that's okay. Learn the first move of the next kata. That's a step in the right direction. Right? Mm-hmm. Yep. And I think as and as you get more, prog- you know, you progress further, I think it's easier to kind of take some steps backwards and take some detours. But as long as you're stepping and you stay in the game and you keep moving forward or, or at least moving forward the best way that you think you can, then then you'll make that progress, right? It's it's just when you uh, you stop taking those steps because you're not sure what to do or because it's difficult. That's when you get you get lost and yeah, things don't don't work out after that. Yeah, it's like the worst thing you don't want to take that step backwards or stay in the same place. You want to make sure you got know what you're doing before you take that next step. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. Know what you're doing, but uh, you know, even if you take a step and realize it's the wrong one, it's okay. You just got to keep trying and keep stepping and. Uh, I think I think everyone in their journey, martial arts or otherwise, um, I, I think it's impossible to, to take every step perfectly. You know what I mean? Sometimes, sometimes you just have to take the step to realize that it wasn't the right one, and, and you retrace, figure it out. But it's still part of those steps in your journey. <laughs> if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay, ladies and gentlemen, we have reached our hidden dojo segment of uh, interview. So this is where I ask uh, Robert seven questions, or oh, definitely this is the fun part of it. So. Of course, some of these are non-martial uh, arts related, but yet, uh, of course, Robert is the person with the answers. And yeah, so definitely this is almost like a game a little bit. So are you ready for this? I'm ready. Hit me. All right. So the first question is the best piece of advice that you that you ever gotten and who said it? Uh, I So I, I received a lot of good advice, but one, for whatever reason that sticks in my brain is uh uh, professor who was at the University of Waterloo named Sanjeev Betty. He was the head of mechatronics engineering at the time. I was doing a, a co-op term working for him and another prof, and he said, don't jam. Just don't jam. If you're, you're working on something, it doesn't, uh, you know, it's not progressing well or you get frustrated, just switch to something else, make progress there, take a break, 
and then come back to that thing. And so it's basically just don't burn yourself out on on that thing. Just switch it up. And as long as you're making progress and you're moving forward, then that's a good thing. Yeah. Hey, and this is a question that people don't get. What's the worst advice you've ever gotten? <laughs> yeah, I. Uh, one, so I, I had a boss at a company I worked at and, and um, he gave me a lot of bad advice about relationships. And I think he was, let's say, unhappy with his current relationship, uh, you know, older and married, but maybe not married for much longer. And he gave me a lot of advice about what to do with money and how to hide it from your spouse and how to, uh, uh, you know, build, you should build a home theater in your basement so you can't hear the, the kids crying upstairs and just let your wife deal with it, <laughs> stuff like that. Yeah. So that that was advice I didn't follow. Yeah, so I guess he is divorced. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I, I'm not sure, but uh, yeah, it's quite possible by now. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the good thing I'm single, so I don't have to worry about nothing. <laughs> I got my, I'm, I think I'm too stingy. So, yeah. But, but I mean, it'll come sooner or later. So I'm not, I'm not going to be rushing it. I'm, yeah. I'm, it's, it's, it's not a race, right? <laughs> yeah. uh, all right. Uh, how do you reward yourself? I kind of call this the guilty pleasure. Yeah, that's right. Um, I, I don't have a lot of time for this, but I do enjoy watching uh, sort of supernatural or horror themed TV shows and movies. I, uh, it's funny because my, my wife uh, doesn't like those. She won't go near those type that, that genre with a 10 foot stick. My kids are of course too young. And so I basically have nobody to watch that stuff with. And so again, not that I have a lot of time to, to watch TV these days by myself, but when I do, I, it's usually something in that theme and I just enjoy it. That's my guilty pleasure. I would say. That's <laughs> good. Supernatural movies. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm a, I'm not into scary movies very much, you know, that for the classes are more scarier than the ones now, but, you know. <laughs> I, I heard something interesting about uh, that. Yeah, maybe it'll change your mind, but something about how uh, having those those scary things, the things that get your heart rate up, it's actually good for your health to have kind of that flush of, of stress from your system now and again. Um, of course, you get them in many ways, but I, I've heard that they, in some sense, can be... Uh, Let's assume you don't have a heart attack from it. It's, it can be good for your health. Yeah. <laughs> so, maybe, maybe there's a reason to do it. <laughs> All right. Uh, what famous movie would you want to be in? Um, my uh, my dad was super into into sci-fi and, and still is. And uh, one of the, the I would say the two movies that we, I watched with him and have fond memories of him and I sort of bonding over were Alien, the original, and uh, Terminator. So. Yeah, so I, if I had to pick one, I'd probably say Terminator. Oh yeah, Terminator. Yeah. yeah. Honestly, if, even if I was just you know a grocery clerk in the background before Terminator burst in or something like that, that would be. Uh, I, I I would have loved to have been in one of those movies as an extra. Yeah. Uh, what would be the first Terminator or Terminator Two? Uh, probably Terminator Two. Although I think my favorite, I, the the ones after kind of lose me, but uh, Terminator Three was probably my favorite of that. Although I do think of Terminator 2 as the classic. Uh, yeah, so I mean, Terminator, I mean, I love the other Terminator movies, but Terminator 2 was like probably my personal favorite. I grew up with uh, watching that movie, and, you know, and it's just like Sarah Connor was just like, I don't I don't know how to describe her, but like in the first movie, she was like this scared little soul, but now she was like militant, military yeah. type uh, woman. So Yeah, that that's was, right. She She was badass in that second movie. Yeah, it's like I'm not messing with Linda Hamilton. Uh, yeah, I, I think that's what makes uh, Alien pretty good too, because Ellen Ripley is just a badass, right? 
Oh, oh yeah, Alien to um, Alien Resurrection. That kind of got that guy got, got in that movie too. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I, I love those movies. That uh, one of those two would be the ones. But yeah, let's let's go with Terminator Two. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, uh, hidden talent. Yeah, it's it's funny because uh, I feel like in my life I have sort of segments of people I know. I mean, like every, I think everyone does, but for many people who don't know me for martial arts, my hidden talent is martial arts. <laughs> it's just it's uh, you know I'm a uh, I guess you can't see me on camera in the podcast, but I'm a young looking, you know, unassuming, nerdy looking guy. And so a lot of people would not take a look at me and think, oh, this is someone who I don't want to mess with. So in, in some sense, martial arts is my hidden talent. Um, otherwise, uh, uh, I, I am quite good with uh, computers, I'll say. So I'm pretty good at figuring out technology. And, um, you know, I've been doing a lot of uh, sort of support for things at the dojo. I've done that World Martial Arts Live, connecting you know 96 instructors from around the world on zoom and figured how to out how to do that within a few months and pulled it off successfully so yeah i would say figuring out technology in a pinch is a maybe a hidden talent oh i could say my hidden talent is like i i got good voice impersonation so of course if you catch me in like a wax museum and you think um the wax um model is talking to you that's probably me <laughs> yeah I'm gonna I'm gonna drive to Niagara and meet you, and, and we'll go to some wax museums. That'll be fun. Yeah, if they if they at least got one in Dark Vader, definitely I can do a killer Dark Vader. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. awesome. That's, I like yeah. that talent. Yeah, of course James Earl Jones is retiring, so I'm like, and they need at least uh, find a replacement for Dark Vader. Get your name in there. That's 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 a good <laughs> cash cow. <laughs> yeah. Hey, all right. Uh, well, speaking of, um, of course, we're talking about movies. Uh, Dream Celebrity Encounter. Yeah, I mean, not not to keep mentioning our own show, but we we talk a lot about movie celebrities and things like that. And yeah, I think for me it would be Jackie Chan. I, uh, you know, I I think I was a little bit late on growing up on Bruce Lee, but um, yeah, I remember seeing Jackie Chan in movies as a kid. And of course, I was already in martial arts at that point. But that, uh, just watching him in movies like The Tuxedo, I was like, oh man, that's that's cool. Like, I wish I could move like that, do things like that, you know, fly, jump, kick like that. And so for me, I think it would be Jackie Chan. That would be awesome if I could just run into him at a, you know, in the airport or something like that. That'd be really cool. Yeah, you probably started around the time he did like Rush when Rush Rush Hour One came out. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That would have been about the time. Yeah, so yeah, that probably be someone I'd like to meet. Uh, Jackie Chan. I know he's probably pretty much retired, but um, the band that just does martial arts in his own stunts is mm-hmm. amazing. It's like, of course, every martial artist has to have his own stunt man, but him, he's like he's doing the whole package. That's right, and I feel like when when you're at that level and you're just so invested in it and you do your own stunts, I, I feel like, I don't know, I, I can't picture someone like Jackie Chan fully retiring. He probably still, even when, even if he's not making movies, he's probably still practicing stunts in his backyard or something. <laughs> yeah. Just think about all the injuries he had to, had to do doing all those stunts. Yeah, that's right. You can't go flying through the airs uh, a thousand times without uh, a couple things happening. Right. Yeah. I still think about me just doing my own stunts. Of course, going to pro wrestling, I've had to deal with this uh battalion tendon um, rupturing. So I mean I mean I won't be jumping for a while, but at least once I get that healed up, I'll be back jumping and <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. The thing, things you don't think about when you're twenty, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean I'm almost in my forties, so I feel it. I mean, I can I can't call myself old yet. I mean no, no, that's right. Yeah, I, I'm just 30, so I, I've still got a, a bit to go. But uh, I, I won't say I'm starting to slow down, but I, I do feel 
uh, I'll say I'm starting to just get the very beginning sense of these things hurt a little bit more than they maybe they used to, where you know it takes a, an extra half day to recover, things like that. So yeah, I can only imagine when you get up to your 60s, 70s, 80s, how it feels. Yeah, we're not grown. We're not all grown up to be Wolverine. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> w- would be nice though, way. Eh? Yeah. All right. Final question: uh, Where do you see yourself in ten years? I, I see myself in so many places, honestly, TJ, like, yeah, obviously uh, on the martial arts front. So I'm uh, currently a, a prestigious one stripe white belt in BJJ, but uh, hoping to, uh, you know, basically progress further with that, hopefully be at some point brown or black belt in that and teaching classes, doing that alongside my extraordinary karate, teaching that as well. Um, yeah, I, I mean, basically teaching classes, having my own students, which I, which I do now. Um, I've had to take a bit of a step back with uh, in, in recent months with uh, with newborn and two toddlers at home. So things are a bit hectic, but certainly 10 years from now, having been back in the swing of that, teaching those classes, having those students, actually seeing some people through to, to, the, to their black belts and beyond would be really rewarding. Um, kind of complete myself as, well, not, not complete, but at least move myself further along in, in being an instructor as well, uh, to have students that get to that high level um, yeah, I mean, I, I still feel like I've got many, hopefully many years in front of me in terms of martial arts. So yeah, continuing to improve and, and really focusing on teaching in the next 10 years. Oh, well, amazing. Yeah. Just always have a plan, like what you're going to do as, um, you progress going up to like a higher rank. So yeah, just making sure your martial arts, um, journey grows into like something that's going to be inspiring to others. So they actually take the same journey. Yeah, that's yeah. Like we said, that's always the goal, right? You want to be inspiring for your students, and it is a, a sort of symbiotic relationship with your students, right? Because if uh, I think if you didn't have students that were looking up to you, it would be easier to, let's say, plateau and you know, sort of rest on your laurels there. But when you have students, they they always push you forward too, and because they're getting better, they're getting closer to where you are. You always have to say, I got to keep moving now too, and I got to keep getting better, and I got to keep pushing because if I don't do that. What reason do they have to do it, right? You, you want to be always moving ahead with your students and, and they push you forward too. So it, it could definitely goes both ways there. Yeah, definitely. And I was just thinking about my uh, the convention I go to. We have like a, a gala and we have like special awards. You know, we have um, instructor of the year, uh, school of the year, and the most inspirational. And then in this case, uh, me, I am a nominated for most inspirational. This is like the third time it like in the row that I was nominated, of course, the first two times I didn't win. So I'm guessing for this year, I'll, I'll probably win, but likely I won't. But I mean, one thing I'm more concerned about is the, the going up to fifth degree. So rather, if I don't get the most inspirational award, I'll get that fifth degree. You know, I guess the thing about the, me about this is like being uh, nominated three times in a row is that somebody really thinks of me out there. And yeah, that's really something I'm looking forward to this year uh so uh so before we kind of close out uh robert uh do you have any last minute of words do you like to say to our viewers out there oh he froze hey robert you still there hmm he froze ah but we're almost close to the end of our interview anyway but uh yeah so i mean wonder if you can hear me well, uh, ladies and gentlemen, um, of course, uh, Robert Robert Clumsey has uh, frozen, but I'm um, close to the end to our uh, podcast. 
That's nevertheless, like I said, um, I'm nominated. Let's see. Let me reach him out. Uh, Oh, I'm still going. Yeah, I'm kind of reaching out to Robert because uh, I want to at least uh, finish this podcast up. But, I mean, hmm, I got magic powers. Imagine that. I guess that um, fifth degree magic is really happening. Let's see if I can. Um, hmm, didn't work. Hmm, let me see if I can do it again. Yeah, I think my internet got cut off for a second. I'll jump back on in a minute. Oh, well, well, while well, while we're waiting here, like I said, uh, I've been nominated for well, that's something else. I've been nominated for uh, most inspirational for the ITC, so that's a big accomplishment. So hopefully, in this case, I win. But uh, of course, um, while we wait for Robert to come back on, um, yeah. Um, we're going to get his final word and then we're going to kind of cut out. But nevertheless, um, I am a month away from the convention. And yet, uh, other than working on the, like my fifth degree, you know, there's katas. And I'm going to um, do a, a Shotokan kata known as Jin, uh, J I I N. And that's like, and then of course, I'm going to be doing a Tafa kata with weapons. And yet, um, yeah, as he says, his internet just cut off. So um, let's see what, uh, and of course, here he is. He's come back on here. And let's see. Hmm. Yeah, he's got a twin. Let's see. Here he comes. In three, two, one. Hey, TJ, can you hear me? Yep, I can hear you. Well, that's weird. It's not letting me start my video. Uh, well, we're pretty much at the end of uh, the podcast. So, uh, so um, of course, I'm going to wait to get situation. And now I'm going to have you do the, the final word uh, toward the, um, the listeners. So, and. Yeah, um, sorry, you were just talking about uh, being inspirational in the dojo. Yeah. Um, yeah, sorry for this. Hopefully you can get your editor to uh, take care of that. Um, one thing I was just going to say on future plans, I mentioned I have uh, three kids at home that are, of course, quite young now, way too young for martial arts at this time, although I have brought them to the dojo a couple of times and they like to to watch what's going on. And they, I'll say, okay, kids, we're going to the dojo. And my daughter especially will start kicking and you know pushing in the air and <laughs> waving her hands around so you know it's not to say they're not picking nothing up at this point um but part of the plans for 10 years from now is I, I really hope and without trying to push them into anything um i really hope they get into it too and they get to to share in in this thing that's also really important to me uh so i i hope that comes to fruition again it's it's not something i plan on sort of pushing on them but i think because it's just such a big part of my life that they'll naturally get curious and find their way into the dojo one way or another. So, um, yeah, I'm really excited to see what that looks like 10 years from now. Yeah. All right. So of course, um, of course this will be an audio as well. So of course the listeners will hear your final words. So do you have any final words you'd like to tell our listeners out there before we cut out? 
yeah, I mean, first of all, thank you so much, TJ, for having me on. This was a lot of fun. Uh, as I said, it's my first podcast appearance, hopefully not the last. Um, I, I think if I want to say any message, uh, let's say two things. One of them is just how important podcasts like this are for connecting martial artists and keeping people inspired, you know, telling these stories, talking about martial arts. I think it's it adds a real value to the martial arts community. And so thank you for doing that. And uh, the other thing is just keep training, you know, take, keep taking that step in the right direction, especially if you're in a, in a difficult moment in your martial arts career or you're plateauing or you're not progressing or you've had some setbacks. Just realize it's not about um, it's not about who's best. It's about who's left. And so just keep training, keep working on what you're doing. And as long as you keep making some sort of progress forward, even if it's marginal, even if it's incremental, you know, I, I think you said on the other episode of Sincerity Dauphin that you always win or lose by an inch and you always progress just by inch by inch. I like that. It's kind of the same message, right? It's, you're not going to make leaps and bounds. You just have to move forward one inch at a time, one step at a time. And, and that's how you make real progress. So just sort of in your martial arts career, keep faith and just keep training and you'll get to where you need to be. Uh, okay. So thank you very much for that, um, Robert. So I'm sorry we kind of have a technical difficulty, but uh, of course that's going to be our, that's not going to affect the audio because you're, they're going to hear me talking, but uh, nevertheless, uh, thank you very much for short, uh, um, taking the time to speak with me. So I hope everything goes well for you. So definitely in probably the near future, I'll probably run into you and we probably train, definitely i'd like to at least get um at least a little sample of your style i would love that yeah and uh best of luck to you uh tj both in your uh your fifth standing exam and i hope you win that inspiration award i think even if and let's say even if you don't you said you've been nominated three times i think that must mean they think you're inspirational award or not so yeah good for you yeah so definitely keep your eye on um instagram and facebook so definitely you'll see I'll probably post it as soon as I get the award as well as to get the fifth degree. So definitely, I'm, I know I'm going to get bombed that day, pretty much. <laughs> uh, all right. So I'm going to do my closing of the uh, podcast. Uh, all right. So for those who are just tuning in for the first time, tune into my previous episodes on the BIC, BPRadio.com, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. And I'll catch you next time for another episode here at the KickPod Podcast. This is your host, TJ Williams. Bow you out.